0: Hey folks, Tom Block. Thanks for tuning into Front Row Knowles and thanks to the Champions Club and Seminole Boosters for their longtime support of this podcast. By now you've seen or heard about the Boosters One Tribe campaign, which is annual membership to Seminole Boosters that helps fund the most vital needs of the FSU athletics program, including scholarships, academic support, and athletic training. I'll put this as simply as I can. If you're listening to this podcast, you care about FSU athletics and should be a booster. Many of you already are. Thank you. And I encourage you, if you're able, to increase your support. If you're not a member, you can join for as little as 70 bucks a year. Just go to boosters.fsu.edu to learn more. And now sit back, keep your seat, keep your arms and legs inside the vehicle. Well, you know the drill. Enjoy the show. Here's
1: Front Row Knowles.
0: Good day, everybody. Tom and KJ back with you after a week of rest. I hope you enjoyed the best of edition. Again, we use that term lightly. Keith, how are you, sir? I'm doing well. I'm doing well. How was the family, the Block family vacation? It was it was uh, it was excellent. It was like uh, most vacations. Well, I can't say that. I needed a vacation when I got back from the family vacation, which is on me for not scheduling accordingly. So I'll, I'll take the blame for that one. But I see your head nodding, so you can you can relate to that, having made similar mistakes. Without question, <laughs> it was good. We were uh, we were in the Boston area and Cape Cod, Martha's Vineyard, and all that. And I we were planning to go to a Red Sox game, which we did go to. What I didn't know is that the combination of going to the Red Sox game and doing a Fenway tour with my son. Was going to mean that I now have a Red Sox fan in the house, and I might have to get the whatever the extra innings package is, or whatever it's called now, so I get every Major League Baseball game, so we can watch the Red Sox. So
2: that I, be, I believe we constantly talk about unintended consequences, and there's another
0: one. Yeah, there's another one. Uh, staying on that track, this is changing subjects from the family vacation, but Mike Norvell's youth clinics, the FSU football youth clinics, we've talked about them because they made their way around the state. But this week, they did the home show, if you will, on Monday night, and the weather forced it inside the indoor practice facility, which I think made it even cooler for the kids who participated. Instead of just being out on the fields, you were actually in the IPF, and uh, Nolan was involved. And I just wanted to say kudos to Coach Norvell, the support staff, all the assistants. Keith, I I knew this was the case because I had seen other parents and other FSU fans who had participated around the state commenting, but they ran it like a professional practice, if you will, or certainly a collegiate practice. Ironic that I would pick the term professional in a week when we've got a lot of NIL conversation and NCAA and antitrust conversation. But the point is, it was big league, especially for a fourth grader. So it was was a fun experience.
2: One of the things that continues to be reinforced about Mike and his quote-unquote staff, which includes all of the support people, not just the assistant coaches, can simply and succinctly be summed up with the fact that you take care of the little things, the big things will take care of themselves. Everyone, Pat, who's been on our show, others from around the state have commented on how well run, how well organized, uh, how they stick to the, to the schedule. And uh, you and I uh, can remind everyone that under a prior regime, uh, we had to stay in a hotel room in North Carolina, 100 and something miles away from the intended kickoff site because somebody forgot to make reservations at the hotel.
0: Throwing it all out there on the table this week, aren't you?
2: I'm just saying.
0: Understood. Yeah, there's definitely a lot of organization, but it was fun. And maybe what I should have said is, it was fun to see as a fourth grader's dad. Nolan did have fun too, but I think the parents had, had even. <laughs> and, and I'll give one more shout out. Part of what so one benefit to the home show, if you will, when they did these around the state, they took not just the assistant coaches but all the support staff. But unless I missed some NCAA rule, I'm pretty sure they didn't take current FSU football players with them around the state. But as they were at FSU, current FSU players were participating and leading some of the drills and doing some coaching, including Jordan Travis. And you might be able to surmise Keith as a DB who was once a quarterback and probably once you moved to DB, hated all the attention that Wally and Jimmy would get as the quarterbacks. Jordan Travis uh, attracted quite a crowd earlier this week. Not surprising. That goes with the role of being the quarterback.
2: Well, I had the opportunity on Saturday to travel over to Jacksonville, technically Neptune Beach. And while J.J., Jimmy Jordan, wasn't there, uh, Wally Woodham and Rick Stockstill were both there at a very private, uh, going on now, 30-year reunion that takes place under the radar. So, yeah, I got to see uh, Stock and and, Woo – uh, uh, talking with folks and gathering a lot more attention than I did. Yes, they, the they, quarterbacks.
0: It's still the longest line for autographs, isn't it? I mean, it's Yep. See, so segue here, Keith, just to bring it to current day, is that this has been one of your concerns all along related to NIL, which is not any clearer right now. A week out, laws are going to be enacted in several states. There's still no, uh, you know, federal uh, edict on this. Uh, we've gotten some, well, not favorable for the NCAA Supreme Court rulings. It's all rolled up into one and it's still just one big mess that we don't know where it's going to land. Is that an accurate characterization?
2: Very accurate. And, and you know, and folks, uh, by now, the, that Supreme Court ruling, which came out on Monday, you know, talked about education based benefits. It was a very narrow ruling. And if you didn't take the time to read the Western story, and I won't belabor the point, but uh, Kavanaugh uh, wrote a, a concurring opinion, but a separate opinion. You know, it was a 9-0 decision. That uh, concurring opinion basically said that we're giving the players what they ask for as it relates to suing the NCAA. And that's all we're giving them, but only because they didn't ask for anything else. And so I'm telling you, Tommy, I was around in 85, 1985, what's that, 36 years ago, when the last Supreme Court ruling in, in, against the NCAA came out. And, and that's the one that said that they could not restrict the number of appearances on television. And in 86, I started doing games with Clearview Cable. In 88, Sunshine Network was formed. I started doing games. You would started doing games with us. And then all of a sudden, the conference – uh, and now the college football playoff and now billions of dollars are flowing to the universities. Thirty six years ago, there will be a similar decision that's based on the one that we came out on Monday that is going to open another floodgate. And I don't know what direction it's going to head, but that's uh, that's another topic for another day. And, and it's going to be interesting to watch the the weeks and months and years to follow.
0: I hadn't processed it till it just came out of your mouth, Keith, but what you're saying is that the genesis of this very radio show was the last Supreme Court ruling regarding the NCAA. Is that what I heard you say? Because of Uh, the 80s ruling, we met each other. We started doing games on Sun Sports. We got told we're no longer doing games on Sun Sports, so now we're doing a radio show. That's the short story, right? (laughs) That is the cliff notes of anything anybody wanted to know. You are correct. (laughs) Oh, I hadn't processed all that. Hey, here's what we're going to do on today's show. So it's not the time of year when we would normally talk basketball. But all of Florida State fans, basketball or not, whether they watched the game on Friday night or just found out about it later, everybody was in awe of what Terrence Mann did. To get his team into the conference finals out west by scoring 39 points in that game seven, and so we thought we would go to the source—not Terrence himself, but the guy who uncovered Terrence. First saw him as a seventh grader, and that's Charlton Young, one of Leonard Hamilton's assistants, Coach CY, if you will. He's going to join us later on, and uh, we, we pre-recorded this interview earlier in the week. And all I can tell you, folks, is he's a—he's a, he's a soundbite waiting to happen, and you will enjoy this conversation. It's longer than what we typically do. It's going to run the last two segments of the show, but stay tuned for that uh, about Terrence Mann, but but more than that about the New Bloods, which is Florida State basketball. So that's coming up. Next segment, our Osceola insider, Patrick Burnham, is going to join us. And, and among other things, uh, in addition to recruiting, we'll talk about the 12-team college football playoff possibilities and, and do a deeper dive on that. So that's all straight ahead. I'll remind you folks that uh, the golf club at Summerbrook is a sponsor of Front Row Knowles, and we thank them for that. You can call them at 894-4653. Reserve your tee time. Remember, it's a lighted driving range. Get out there. As soon as this rain stops, get out there and, uh, and play 18, work on the golf game, hone the craft. Uh, that's a craft that, as I can uh, testify, Keith, there, there's not enough honing that can be done. Uh, so much honing was required that I just stopped honing and, and sort of gave up on the sport, if you know what I'm saying. <laughs>
2: Uh, All I know is you better not try to say that real fast because other words may come out that you'll be embarrassed
0: by. Understood. With that, (laughs) I will go to break and Pat Burnham will join us next here in Front Row Knowles.
1: Front Row Knowles on 97.9 ESPN Radio is presented by Hobson Chevrolet of Cairo, Georgia. Get your best deal the Hobson way. Now, back to Tom and Keith.
0: Welcome back to Front Row Knowles. Tom and KJ, pleased to welcome our Osceola insider Patrick Turnman to dive into recruiting. Pat joins us. Via the Earl Bacon Agency hotline, as all our guests do, the Earl Bacon Agency, ensuring your future together. Hey, Pat, how are you, sir? Great, guys. How about y'all? Doing well, doing well. You know, it's it's that time of year. We're, we're closer to July, and as I reminded Keith recently, after July comes August, and, and that means football. We're, we're creeping closer. But, you know, this has been as busy a June as I can recall, and part of it's getting out of COVID, and part of it's just the, the cycle has changed now that we have an early signing period. But FSU got good news this week. I'll let you fill our listeners in. I know they can go to the Osceola and find out more details, but but Florida State back into the top 10 in, in terms of the upcoming year's recruiting class with a commitment of a linebacker.
3: Yeah, they got a commit, two commitments yesterday. They got
0: Omar Graham, a 2022 22 uh, outside or inside
3: linebacker, depending on how you evaluate him, uh, 6'2", 225 out of Fort Lauderdale Stranahan High School. Uh, he had officially visited Miami, I think, the first weekend in June and then made his official visit to Tallahassee last weekend or last week and a half ago. And obviously, it's coming out of that official visit, he actually canceled his official visits to Penn State and Auburn, and, uh, of course, last night committed to Florida State. Uh, You know, he fits that bill that Coach Norvell likes – uh, you watch his film. He lines up at both inside and outside linebacker. Uh, very versatile in that way. Very active. Closes on the ball carrier very quickly. Uh, plays extremely hard. Uh, really, you you watch some of his special teams film. He's always the first guy downfield. Uh, very aggressive guy. Uh, some a guy that will have to develop both as a pass rusher and as an inside inside the box linebacker. But he does both in high school. Uh, demonstrates natural natural instincts for the game. Runs well. Has good lateral. Equipment. Quickness, good lot of, sorry, quickness. Uh, and really, um, you know, I think it's a good get for Florida State. This kid's best football is definitely ahead of him. And he's a guy that can come in here and potentially grow into a outside linebacker. Our Charles Fishbine, who's one of our Osceola recruiting Uh, analyst and president of elite scouting services says he looks like a lot like Khalil Mack looked in high school. Not that obviously that's high praise, but uh, has some similarities that fish saw and Khalil that he sees in Omar. So obviously a big get moves the recruiting class up uh, three spots in the rankings. Uh, They're up to number one in the ACC. And uh, obviously they are very excited to get Omar and uh, gives them nine commitments now for that particular, for the 2022 class. And I think we'll see some uh, more 2022 commits over the next, next two or three weeks. Uh, then you move on to 2023 and a kid that had a great 7-on-7 performance uh, over uh, last week. At FSU, was Van Tra- Dravius Jacobs, six foot 170. He played football at Fort Pierce Central last year and will play at Vero Beach High School. Uh, other offers at this point are Arkansas, Georgia Tech, Indiana, Miami, and West Virginia, just to name a few. Uh, Charles Fishbine has him ranked as the 10th best receiver in Florida uh, for the class of 2023. And he really thinks that this kid is going to just continue to get bigger and faster and become more. Of a known commodity uh, on the you know around the nation with uh, college programs ranked 62nd right now, but uh, he thinks he's got a chance to be an elite a wide receiver over the next two years. Um, good, but not great film as a sophomore. But again, he's a sophomore. He's not he's not big as fast uh, as fast as he will be. But sir, uh, two, uh, certainly two good uh, commitments for Florida State,
2: and then numbers keep coming. What do they got? What did I read? Nine visits this weekend.
3: Yeah, they uh, you know this the recruiting calendar will go dead uh, again on I believe June 28th. So they're bringing in nine kids this weekend for official visits. They have two kids that are on uh, campus right now, finishing up those official their official visits uh, this week uh, Monday. Today, the they had Jalen Glover, our running back from Lake Gibson High School. He's already visited Tennessee, South Carolina, and will head to Utah this weekend for his official visit there. So, you got to think he's getting close. Uh, most experts think that he is FSU leads in his recruitment. And then you got Dalen Everett, a four star cornerback from Braves and ING that's been on campus. He has been to Georgia and now FSU on officials and has an official visit sca- uh, scheduled with North Carolina. For this particular weekend and then Clemson and Oregon are thought to be the other two programs involved there. And then of course you got the nine kids coming in this weekend I won't go through all of them, but uh, probably the three that uh, I'm more curious to see how they go with the Quason, uh, Quason Sapp a four-star offensive tackle, 32nd ranked offensive tackle in the nation from Lee County High School in Georgia. He will be here with his teammate, linebacker Jared Willis, who committed to Georgia Tech about four weeks ago. So it's good news that they're getting Jared in here for a, an official visit, even though he's committed. And then, of course, they got to have another four-star offensive lineman, Emory Jones from Baton Rouge Catholic. Um, he's Got interest from Arkansas, Tennessee, and LSU. Uh, But uh, he's a guy that's got got considerable interest in Florida State. So uh, we'll see how those official visits go. But, yeah, certainly a very busy time between the commitments, the camps, the unofficial visits. Uh, I know these coaches have – they've put on nine camps just for high school kids since June 5th. You add those to the youth camps, that's about 20 camps in 60 days. And uh, I'm sure as excited as they were for the uh, dead period to be lifted, I'm sure they're going to be happy to get a break between June 28th and July 24th when it opens back up
0: again on the 25th. Matt, you missed the conversation in our first segment, but I know we talked about the youth clinics, but my son got to go through it on Monday night this week, and it's a well-oiled machine, which, I, if nothing else, and I think everybody has said this, we know Mike Norvell and his, and his staff and his program are organized. It was clearly on display with the way they executed that event the other night. It was a great event, really well done.
3: Yeah, I mean, listen, they uh, they have done a great job with their camps. I think I said it two weeks ago when I was on the show. I think it kind of is reflective of how you run your program day to day. And, you know, uh, they've had overwhelming turnout for all the camps. The last time I talked to you guys, I was sitting outside the first big man offensive defensive line camp, and they ended up having as many kids walk up to register for that camp as they had pre-registered. I mean, it's been incredible, the amount of turnout. And then, of course, you talk about the attention to detail. And, uh, you know, I don't think I've ever seen a head coach, uh, whether it be the high school camps or youth camps, that is actively and hands-on, as Mike Norvell has been, at least in, uh, in my experience in college football. I've never seen a head coach do that. I saw some video of the working with, the, you know, about a seven- or eight-year-old yesterday, uh, teaching him how to line up uh, in a, a wide receiver state. To, for takeoffs and uh, yeah so it's been fun to watch uh it's been fun to watch some football quite frankly <laughs> well speaking of football uh let's
2: see Would it be let's see i they going carry the 2024 or 2025 before we go to 12 teams in the playoff i'm
3: gonna go i'm gonna go to 2025 i think it could even be after the contract ends in 2020 i think it would be 2026 uh, you can double check me on that but hey listen anything's better than four. I'm not a big fan of the uh, bye weeks for the top four teams because then the argument becomes, you know, how much difference is there between four and five? You know, there's always going to be, I think I would rather go to eight to 16, but I will say
0: uh, 12 works fine for me as long as it's not four. So let's, let's drill a little deeper on this. So Keith, you bring up the bye weeks and, and as you know, you know where I am on this. Just just take the FCS opponents and move them to be your spring opponents so they can still get a guarantee. You can take them off the schedule and play one last game in the fall. That's not going to happen because nobody's ever going to sign up for one fewer game, even though we can have the health safety conversation. So, the well,
2: Especially with the NFL going from 16 to 17.
0: Yeah, the easier way to solve the buy issue is just to give everybody a green light just instead of starting football labor day weekend everybody can play the weekend before labor day and then you get two bye weeks during the season right i mean that's a that's a pretty easy way to solve that one so pat back to your point uh i mean with 12 teams somebody's gonna have to get a bye when we get right Uh, i don't know i don't know how to fix that unless we're gonna go right to 16 and that doesn't seem to be where we are right now
3: no, I mean it sounds it sounds like twelve is going to be the deal, and uh, yeah, that would be my only
0: issue. With it, would be the bye weeks, but hey, as like I said, uh, that four is better. Uh, twelve is better than four. Well, well, one of the other sticking points or points of conversation is going to be: Are we playing on home campuses? Or are we working the bowls in all these playoff games? You know, I personally like the home campus idea for them. I mean, well, I think the guys a lot.
3: I think the proposal for the the play in games. Uh, where you got the four buys would be for the uh, those first four games to be played on the higher seated uh, stand on their campus. So uh, yeah, I don't know I mean, if that it, one.
0: Yeah. I'm saying I like that idea. I mean, I, oh, think I do too. Cool. I, do I too. mean, so what if you're stuck at Wisconsin and it's, you know, four feet of snow, well, you could have done better and been the host team, you know, Wisconsin earned the right. I, I mean, I'm okay with that is what I'm saying.
3: Well, and I think it's going to be hard for people to last minute make trips to go to, Dallas or L.A. for a playoff game and, uh, you know, not knowing how many playoff games you're going to try to travel to. So, yeah, I think I think it works better I think the atmosphere would be better at a home site uh, than it would a neutral site,
0: uh, particularly on short notice. So what's the questions? Everybody's in favor, but we can't have a meaty discussion if we're all in favor of what's proposed. Well,
3: I got a, I got a question. Uh, they've, they've talked about the independence can even if Notre Dame were to finish ranked number one in the country, uh, they cannot be any higher than the fifth seed because they're not in a conference. Do you guys think that the Notre Dames and BYUs of the world, given what they're – now, they may change this once they get into all this further research and things of that nature. But uh, what I read was that, as it was proposed, if you're an independent, you cannot, have, you cannot be a higher than a fifth seed entering the playoff. Simple solution. Join a conference. Next question. <laughs> well, well, and that, I mean, um, of 100,
2: if 124 teams value being in a conference and two teams value being independents, what's that tell you?
0: Keith, yeah. we're the ACC guys, right, or the Florida State guys. So that would be beneficial for the ACC if Notre Dame joined a conference because by contract they'd have to join the ACC if it was any time between now and 2036. But if you're Notre Dame, if you're good enough that you're the number one team in the country, Even if that makes you the fifth seed in the playoffs, you get a home game against the 12th seed and somebody's got to come to South Bend and beat you in December there. Not as easy as not playing because there is a chance you could lose, but it's not as if the odds are stacked against you if that's what the scenario is.
3: Yeah, because you what you, well, you got to finish one. Of the, if Notre Dame finishes in the top fifteen any given year, they're probably going to make the playoff, right? Yeah, uh, but then they're they gonna, to get
0: the rep, they get the revenue from a home game. I'm saying that it's not like it's yeah. all downside for Notre no, Dame
3: scenario. No. There's upside there. Yeah, that's I what I, I think. That's what I was saying. There's some there's some upside there for Notre Dame as well.
2: Uh, the only yeah, other tweak,
3: the only other tweak. Excuse me, Pat. The
2: only other tweak, and I know it's been talked about, but I didn't read the formal presentation. Is Maybe you guys did, but I do believe that you've got to have the automatic qualifiers for at least your top four or five conferences. I know at one time they were talking about no automatic qualifiers. They'd just be ranked. But I think, I think there's legitimacy to saying the conference championship is worth something and it should be rewarded. Did I
0: read that wrong or hear it wrong No, they, they've led to the top – I think it's the top five ranked conference champions – Top six, top six highest ranked conference champions. If if they
3: had had the playoff this year, Oregon would have been out, and Coastal Carolina and Cincinnati would have been in for our twelve, as well as as your conference champions. And yeah, so so the
0: point is, who gets left? It's not a guarantee for the Power Five, Keith, but you know, most years the Power Five is all going to be represented. But it's actually it's more of an incentive for the Group of Five, really, because they got a chance to get a couple teams in based on that if they've got two, yes. The, the yeah. That hasn't been brought up though. And we saw this the way the committee, when they talk about it, we know this from the Florida state days when all of a sudden, you know, they're coming up with metrics that haven't factored in any other year game control, but it factored in the year. They didn't want to have FSU as the top seed in 2014. The, the committee and, and the pollsters can adjust where they're ranking group of five teams. Well, so, that's, that was going to be one is of undefeated and is worthy of a number five ranking. Lo and behold, there they are. They're number 16 and there's five power five conference champions ranked ahead of them. I mean, all that can still get manipulated.
3: Yeah. I wonder, that's one of my questions is will the ranking, the way they rank teams change because the format has changed uh, because, you know, they haven't had to worry about ranking a uh, non, uh, non power five school in the top 10 and making it to the playoff because it's obviously a 14 right. playoff. So uh, yeah, And then, then my other thing, uh, will this lead to the uh going away with divisions and you just got you you so you get your got the best chance of getting your two best teams to the conference championship game and therefore the college football playoff well
2: did i not read something this week that one of the power 5 conferences is seriously contemplating doing away with divisions i forget which one wasn't the ACC or the SEC but one of
3: the other three they were talking about that yeah, I, I believe that that has been, There has been some conversations internally with some conferences about whether this, you know, just go, moving away from divisions give us the best shot to align multiple
0: teams to make the playoffs in this scenario. Well, but you know, and prior to this expansion talk, I was in favor of eliminating divisions, and I still think the ACC could shuffle the deck. I, I really, I'm in favor of because you could face other ACC opponents more frequently. A la Georgia Tech instead of once every six years. But let's think about the ACC scenario. If Clemson is 12 and 0 and they beat Florida State by a field goal and Florida State's 11 and 1, they don't go to the conference championship game, but they're probably ranked number seven in the country. And then if the coastal champ is beaten for Miami, It's an easier road for Clemson to lock in its playoff bid, and Florida State could still get a playoff bid there, even though you're in divisions. See what I'm saying? So I don't – now that they're talking about widening the net, I'm not sure that it makes it better for getting more teams in. I like the idea of eliminating because I think it makes it more interesting and it makes the crossover scheduling uh, more, more exciting year to year.
3: Yeah, I agree. And, uh, listen, I'm just glad – I didn't think they'd get to this point this quickly. I'm glad that they have. And You know, I think that this is something that I don't think it's going to take a whole lot more uh, research to figure out what they need to do. And then, of course, you know, the other thing, talking about divisions, if you were to d- d- do go away with divisions, then you don't have to worry about adding two teams if Notre Dame comes into the league. You don't have to have a even an uh, even number of teams – uh, if you go to division play,
0: as a uh, I mean, go away from division play. Let's be honest, Pat. If Notre Dame says they want to come into the league, we'll put them in their own division. The ACC, <laughs> the other teams in another division, and and we'll just collect the additional TV revenue and everybody. I mean, that's the way that would work.
3: <laughs>
0: You're probably Notre right. You're probably the Notre right. Dame division and the everybody else in the ACC division. But at least wow. the check will be bigger. Pat, we appreciate it. <laughs> All right, guys, I appreciate it. Thank you so much. Thank you Osceola right, Pat. Insider Patrick Burnham and uh, as I mentioned at the top of the show we're going to turn our attention to hoops not normally the time of year we talk hoops but you're going to want to listen to this conversation with uh coach CY about Terrence Mann and and, and the new bloods in general stay with us
1: Front Row Knowles is brought to you by the Osceola, dedicated to FSU sports and fan experiences. Sign up for a free trial at theosceola.com or call 833-FSU-NEWS.
0: I'm Keith Jones with you. We're going to welcome in a guest to uh, share some insight on a guy who captivated Knoll Nation, not just during his playing days, but if you think back to last Friday, and I'm going to admit here, Keith, I was not watching the game live. I was on vacation with the family. And I woke up the next day and I looked at my social media feed and I saw that Terrence Mann had scored 39 to win that game for the Clippers and propel him into the next round. And, and obviously, Florida State folks were pretty excited for good reason. Another another gentleman who I know was excited uh, had a big hand in getting Terrence to Florida State in the first place. And that is Charlton Young, assistant basketball coach for, for FSU. CY joins us now. Hey, CY, how are you? Great man, how you guys doing? Good to see you guys. Feel like I hadn't seen you in forever. I that's that's what we say about everybody coming out of this COVID thing. You see a live human being, you're excited. So you know you guys are back on the road recruiting and we'll get to that. But were you watching the game live as it or did you I am sure you got word on social media pretty quickly if you weren't watching it live? Yes,
4: yes, yes. I, I, I was watching live and uh you know I, I try to get somewhere where I can sit still, whether it's a restaurant if I'm at work on road on the road or at home, uh, I try to sit still where I can watch him. But uh, I, especially since uh, Kawhi went down, I knew Terrence would be be starting, and he had been calling and we talked before games and after games. So uh, I'm pretty in tune with what's going on with him. Uh, uh, it it was uh, it was funny because the night before the game, I was flying out to go. I was going to get a rental car, I'm sorry, to go recruit it. And the guy at the rental car place said, man, you got Terrence, man, he makes me mad. He he won't shoot. He had the last series. He could have laid it up. He's got to shoot more. So I FaceTimed Terrence at the car rental place. And I said, okay, say it to his face. And the guy was kind of like in shock, like, hey, Terrence. <laughs> but he was like, could you just shoot a little more for me, man? Just shoot a little bit more for for his Florida State fans, and the next game, uh, he, he explodes. And uh, I'm so happy for him. And uh, he's a guy that's really dedicated to his craft, has always had a tremendous amount of humility and worked hard and been a team guy. And uh, he's a coach's son. Uh, so he struggles with playing the game the right way uh, or being a little bit more aggressive. And if Terrence is a guy that just want to win. If it comes down to him scoring – 25 or two and, and it determines whether or not he wins or not. He's, he wants to play winning basketball. And uh, sometimes uh, uh, the basketball world is not a fan of that, but uh, it was good for him to explode for 39. You know, he had 30 here twice. I know he had 30 against Georgia tech and 30 against somebody else uh, in his career. So it kind of agitates me when, when people talk about our kids and our, the guys that come out of this program and, they, and, and they're, they're shocked that they scored a lot of points. Uh, one thing I want to clear up for everybody, uh, I'm glad you're doing this interview, not just on Terrence. you got to understand that Jalen Hamilton runs a Fortune 500 company. Uh, Jalen Hamilton believes in strength in numbers, team basketball, play the game the right way. Um, any of these kids that have come out of our program, if they were gone somewhere else and played somewhere else where they were the only guy or one or two guys, Terrence Mann could average 22 points, 23 points a game easy in college. Uh, a guy who averages 12 or 13 at Florida State, that's like averaging 23 somewhere else because of our system and how hard we play on both sides of the floor. So that narrative of, you know, our guys can't score and can't be big time players and people need to read the data. That that needs to stop. You know, Raquan Gray is coming out this year. MJ is coming out this year. And those guys average 12. Um, Patrick Williams scored a bunch of points this year and second team all rookie. He averaged nine for us. (laughs) Devin Vassell averaged 12 for us. The kids that come here. They are basketball players that want to win championships, that sacrifice their individual numbers to build something special. It's not their talent or their ability to score. It's we have a lot of good players that we're competing for a national championship every year. And that's what these guys want to do. They're special, special people. Uh, So the, the, the narrative that, Oh, we're we're shocked. Terrence man scored 39. Look at the numbers, right? You got Jonathan Isaac who was the sixth pick in the draft. What do you think, Johnson or Isaac, average?
0: Well, I know. Is I, um, yeah, I, what I Oh, I'd, I'd have to look up the number, but his freshman year here, like, what do you think, Keith, you called the games, what was he, 10 and six or something? I don't know. Yeah, he oh, averaged 11. 12. Yeah. Yeah, he
4: yeah. yeah, averaged 12. And, and, and so if you averaged 12 at Florida State, and it's time for the basketball community to understand that, and it's time for these NBA executives to understand that. If you average 12 at Florida State, that's like averaging 22 somewhere else. We play 12 deep. We play to win national championships. We play the game the right way. We have It's not ISO ball. It's not guys dribbling around in one spot jacking the ball up. It's guys moving the ball, cutting, setting screens. And Jay Leonard Hamilton is right. That's the best way to win. And that's the best way to prepare these guys for the National Basketball Association. Uh, but, you know, for them to kind of tarnish our kids like they, they're not good players, they're not good offensive players. If you know anything about basketball, you know, he, you know Trent Forrest, who was our point guard, when he came out here, he, he averaged 12 or 13. Trent Forrest could average 22 on any other team in the country but he chose to come to Florida State and win ACC titles in and try to win a national championship. So I hope this is the beginning of people not only seeing Terrence's game in a different light, but also seeing the players that come out of this program in a different light in terms of their offensive abilities. And stop looking at the numbers saying, well, he only averaged nine. You know, they love to say that about <laughs> Patrick Williams.
2: Well, he only, so only I-
4: averaged nine points.
2: See why well, to echo that people have forgotten. Great. People have forgotten Terrence was a 3,000 point scorer in high school. <laughs> you, you score 3,000 points in high school at any level, you know how to score.
4: And a- Trent was, and Trent was too. But you cannot argue with Jay, Jay Lynn Hamilton's blueprint because you look at the preparation for, for the National Basketball Association. And you look at the winning numbers, the winning percentages in the last seven years. But, you know, it's obvious that this system prepares kids for the National Basketball Association Malik Beasley, Jonathan Isaac, Dwayne Bacon, Terrence Mann, Fandu Kamengeli, Devin Vassell, Patrick Williams, Trent Forrest. These are a lot of pros. This ain't 20 years ago.
0: This is the other day. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Hey, so, hey see, see why you know the old joke that uh, Dean Smith was the only one who could prevent Michael Jordan from scoring, right? So when you get to this point where people are questioning how much a guy scored in college, it's it's a good problem to have, to your point, that this isn't 20 years ago. You're putting these guys in the league. They, they're going to the league, and the guys who come here, they know that. They know that if I come in,
4: I learned the defensive principles. I learned this offensive system that when draft nights come, when draft night comes, I'm going to put on a really nice suit. I'm going to put on a hat and I'm going to shake the commissioner's hand. All you got to do is come in and, and buy in. And, uh, you know, and we're getting to the point where every year we're, we're in the top five or eight and we got a chance to win a national championship. And I, 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 I strongly believe eventually we're going to win a national title and maybe two i think we're on uh, that trajectory just um the the momentum that our program has has built i mean guys guys are lining up they want to come here and be a new blood they want to come here and average 13 so that they can be the next one they get the name called so uh it's it's all coming together but you know, Terrence, Terrence Mann, he has a lot more of that in him. Uh, he really does. And uh, I'll, I get very, very agitated because he's my baby. I've been recruiting him since the seventh grade. You know, I offered him in the eighth grade. So I'm, I'm probably too overprotective of him. Uh, <laughs> uh, but but it really upsets me when, when people uh, say they're shocked that he did this and shocked that he did that. Because if you know anything about basketball, Terrence Mann has always been a great basketball player. And when I say basketball player, I mean dribble, pass, shoot, make a decision. You know, I'm talking about 13 points, 10 rebounds, 7 assists, 4 steals, 3 blocks, and oh, by the way, win, baby, win.
2: (laughs) The other part of that, CY, is we talk all about the measurables, but with the Terrence fans of the world, the intangibles are are just off the chart. He is truly – a professional in the way he approaches the game and
4: he is the new nba and what i mean by that is Jalen hamilton deserves a lot of credit because he saw the future positionless basketball terrence man can play the one the two the three the four and small ball five and he can guard all five positions <laughs> that's hard to find you know what i mean like now People at Florida State, they're spoiled because we keep getting these guys and they don't really know what they're looking at, like Raquan Gray. Raquan Gray is a mountain playing point guard, 6'8", 260 pounds, a nose guard playing point guard. (laughs) Like, There's about five guys on planet Earth that can do what Raquan Gray can do. And I'm talking to NBA teams every day and they're asking me about Raquan Gray. And I'm saying, okay, now, we just went through this with Terrence Mann now, okay? (laughs) Now, I'm telling you, this Raquan Gray guy, right? 6'8", 260, feet like he can play in the nutcracker. Uh, Get downhill on anybody. High-speed Wi-Fi sees everything. You, You can give the ball to our nose guard. And he could come off ball screens and get downhill, and make decisions. Like, where do they do that at? Where do you find guys at 6'8, 260 that can do that? It's not many. Uh, and and he's gonna be one of those guys that has the same positionless effect on the game. That's what the NBA is now. Shooting, shooting, and uh versatility. And uh, Terrence Mann at 6'7, 215. I mean, he's just – he's a problem. He can drive it and get in the paint. He can pose. You know, he's worked on his jump shot. Where, you know, when, he, when we first got him, we had to do a lot of development with his jump shot where he didn't really want to shoot it. Uh, and he's a high-character gym rat. And you know, the thing I'm most proud of with Terrence Mann, the thing I'm most proud of is that when he finishes playing, I would bet a lot of money that he's going to walk right off that court into a NBA head coaching position or a executive uh, GM spot. Like, I, I could see that. Uh, I'd really see that in this future. And, and that's what I'm most proud of.
0: We're talking with Charlton Young, Coach CY from the FSU basketball team. He joins us via the Earl Bacon Agency hotline, the Earl Bacon Agency, and sharing your future together. I'm going to read you some numbers, and then I want you to tell our listeners what you saw in seventh grade, Terrence Mann that uh, led you to believe he could do these things. I'm looking at his FSU numbers. Uh, well, let me, let me pull them up in front of me. So as a, oh, I lost one I was looking at. Where's where's the total? Here it is. As a freshman, he he made four three-pointers and shot 31%. Actually shot slightly lower as a sophomore when he made seven. Uh, as a senior, he got it to 39%. But I think this year he shot 40% plus or minus during the regular season. He's shooting 50% in the postseason. But take us back to when the you know, whenever you saw him in seventh grade, you said you offered him in seventh grade or in eighth grade. What what did you see well, that I, I saw him in seventh grade? I offered in ninth grade.
3: Okay.
4: Um, uh, but um in ninth grade, I went to see him and uh, his confidence was kind of down, and um uh, his mother was really on him about being more of a score. Um, so she told me, come see him, tell me what you think, like give me some help. You know, just give me, just direct them in the right direction. I had met her when he was a seventh grader uh, at the the Black Coaches Association. She was a coach at the time, or maybe an assistant at St. John's. And she was like, I got I got a son. I think he's got a chance, but I just need some, some help. And uh, so I just kind of adopted him uh, from there. But when I went to see him in the ninth grade, I went to see him in a game. And he had like seven points, but he had like, like eleven rebounds, like like seven assists, like three blocks, and like three steals. Three steals, and he always made the right play. Now he wasn't quite six seven at the time. He was like six four and a half, but he was high energy. Uh, but he was like if he was a laptop, uh, if he was a laptop, he'd be a MacBook Pro. I mean, just. <laughs> I see Wi Fi. Like he, he just, his decision making, almost like finding a great quarterback or something, he just always made the right decision. So,
0: uh, are y'all there? Yeah, we're still here. Fire away. Yeah. Can you see me? Yeah, we, we got you, Charlton.
4: So, so there's a play and, uh, He's under the basket and shot goes up and him and a guy about both about to go get the rebound and the guy clamps down on his arm so he can't lift his left arm. So he jumps, they both kind of jump and now he has his right arm up and the ball comes off and he can't get it with two hands. With his right hand, he taps the ball to a guy that's right under the basket on the other side of the paint. And the guy lays it up. I said, Scholarship. <laughs> <laughs> Sch- scholarship. I mean, just to be in the ninth grade, to have the, to see the court, the court awareness, to make that decision that quickly. Uh, yeah. Guys who play in Europe 13, 14 years make that play. He was making that play in the ninth grade. So when he made that one play, I, my, I, I said, this this guy's the real deal. And, uh, you know, and so, you know, I could show you, I used to watch film all the time, you know, even in the summer, getting prepared for the season. I try to watch two or three games a day, you know, just to make notes going into the next season. And uh, the other day I put on an old game where he was in and uh, the ball came off the rim and he rebounded, but they kind of pushed him out of bounds. Maybe it was Miami at home. And he's on one toe on the inline, line. He's about to fall out of bounds. And he scoops it behind his back to feel cold for right in front of the rim. Like, he just, high-speed Wi-Fi, man. He's a special, special basketball player. And see, most people, when they watch the game, they don't see those things. They don't see uh, how a guy his size can play multiple positions and and basically be a basketball computer. And uh, Terrence Mann always makes the right play.
0: We'll take a break. Come back with more of C. Y. Young, Coach Charlton Young from the Florida State basketball team. Right after this on Front Row Knowles.
1: Front Row Knowles on 97.9 ESPN Radio is presented by Hobson Chevrolet of Cairo, Georgia. Get your best deal the Hobson way. Now, back to Tom and Keith.
0: Welcome back to Front Row Knowles. Let's continue the conversation with CY about the new Bloods and Terrence Mann. CY, let's change gears real quick. How nice
2: is it for you to be away from home for a while and get to see people Uh, face to face and watch these kids (laughs) and talk to them?
4: Well, well, it's I did get used to hanging out with the wife and kids. Uh, I I think they got used to me not being on the road. Uh, We do a good job here at Florida State Basketball to being a couple years ahead in terms of evaluations on players, Uh, but we were getting to the point where we needed to get back out and put our eyes on some of these kids and. And build relationships and kind of know what we're getting. So it was really good to get out and, and, and start evaluating and try to uh, uh, strategize to put together another couple power classes. Uh, it was some really good players out there, and uh, it felt good to be back in the gym and kind of doing what we do again.
0: See why well, I want you to characterize this for us, and and uh, correct me if I'm off here, but I envision. 10, 12 years ago, and, and some of this is what you see in movies or just as I follow basketball recruiting, you know, coaches are they're representing their school in the gym, and they're all wearing their school logos and their school colors. And, uh, you know, and you're trying to get Florida State make a name for Florida State. And I'm just wondering how much closer to the front of the line Florida State has moved uh, in, in terms of being recognized right away. I mean, I saw Stan Jones in the airport the other day, and he had FSU gear on because you want the name out there if somebody sees you. But but nowadays, I mean, I'm wondering if you guys are just setting the trend on pool and new blood and all this, and you're you're basically at the front of the line, and people know FSU's in the building. It uh, and so this is my ninth,
4: this is my ninth year at Florida State, and uh, there is a totally different vibe around uh, Florida State basketball than my first year here. Uh, we definitely have turned the corner as one of the elite basketball programs in the country. Uh, I'm, I'm, I'm used to finding, uh, diamonds in the rough, you know, finding me a a really good player up under a rock. Uh, but now we have a lot more people that call us and, uh, you know, people call there and I, and I check, uh, check the list or whatever. And you got guys calling us, that's, you know, top five player in their class. And I'm like, wow, this is how, uh, uh, Carolinas and the Dukes and the Kentuckys of the world, they kind of live, they just kind of select. But uh, So it feels good to to be in that position, even though I'm still, and I think our entire staff is still a little uncomfortable with it uh, because I think the danger zone is still getting that same type character, high energy, kid with humility, kid with that chip on his shoulder. Uh, I think as a staff, we've made a concentrated effort to kind of not forget the Trent Forces, the Anthony Polites, the Raquan Grays, the Phil Kofers. Uh These are the guys that have made us the new bloods. Now, yeah, we, we've gotten Jonathan Isaac, who's a one and done, and Scotty Barnes, who's a one and done, and Malik, and those guys gave us a little gave us a little, uh, those guys gave us a little sizzle. Uh, wow. That's weird. That's, uh, that's Devin Vassell calling me right now. I had to hit decline. <laughs> I was just talking about, it.
0: but, uh, Hey, let the record reflect KJ that he just screened at Devin Vassell to continue this interview. All right.
2: <laughs> well, you you and I have finally arrived, Tommy. We finally <laughs>
4: arrived. Yeah, but- He's going to be mad at me. He's going to be like, Chief, what you doing? I'm trying to call you. But uh, but we we have kept him. We know what has made us special. I mean, the high character Jim rats the humility, the blue collar mentality. Uh, and in the offense, we always kind of referenced Texas football when Vince Young was there. You know, Texas football shot to the top with Vince Young. Uh, and then after that, they kind of start just taking five-star, 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 five-star. And the next thing you know, their football program went this way. Uh, so we're not going to do that where we just start taking guys just because they're ranked. Uh, Terrence Mann was ranked number 113. Uh, he might have got up to 99. You know, Trent Fors was ranked probably 80. Uh, Phil Kofa probably was ranked 140 uh, Devin Vassell was ranked number 227 <laughs> so uh, we're going to keep getting the right guys, the guys that have high character that are gym rats that have humility and have a chip on their shoulder uh, and we'll get the right five stars you know, Jonathan Isaac was the right five star, Scotty Barnes was the right five-star um Dwayne Bacon and Beasley they were the right 5 stars. so uh we're gonna keep building it the way we've been building it um, with guys that are either gonna be NBA players or guys that are gonna own Starbucks you know either one of those guys will take but uh this next wave of guys that we have we're really excited about I mean Anthony Polite has really developed Malik Osborne has really developed um Those guys are going to be the leadership in the program. We got some big time freshmen, of course. We got a couple big time transfers. Uh, But they're our type guys, and uh, we're excited about it.
0: Some are going to be NBA players and own Starbucks, just so you know. I mean, no question. Hey, we'll (laughs) we'll finish up with CY Young, and I just want to stay for the record because I see you on Twitter. You're a good follow on Twitter, by the way. For our listeners' sake, New Bloods is not a generic term that that uh, references any basketball program that's currently doing good things. New Bloods is specific to Florida State. Did I get that right? Thank you very much.
4: Thank you very much. There's only one New Blood, <laughs> and that's and that's the Florida State Seminoles. Uh, we, uh, Jay Leonard Hamilton and his staff has built this program uh, from being in – uh, the shadows of uh, our own football program, being in the shadows of uh, every other basketball program in the country. Uh, uh, and now to go from being a program that, you know, wasn't well-respected in basketball uh, to what we are doing now, uh, I think it's an amazing feat. Uh, I think Jalen and Hamilton deserves uh, a ton of credit, a statue, or the whole nine when he's done. Uh, it is unbelievable. Uh, when you look at the numbers, uh, and do, do you guys know our, our record at home in the last five years?
0: It's it's, it's
1: I've like been a lot 60, of
0: 65 and three or something, isn't it? Or four, yeah, yeah seven, seven, like seventy seventy three
4: 73 and five or four, something to close, and I, and I could be wrong. I was looking at the other day, you know, 11, uh, I think it's 11 straight overtime wins. Um, I mean, the numbers are staggering when you look at them. And if anybody else, anybody else, were doing the numbers that Florida State basketball and Jalen Hamilton were doing, you would hear it on every ESPN, Sporting News. But because it's Florida State and Jalen Hamilton, for whatever reason, you don't really hear about it. Uh, but but we're doing a better job of, of getting it out there, marketing and promoting. And I think uh our fans have been phenomenal and our administration has been a phenomenal. I think we're kind of finally embraced that Florida State basketball is for real, that we're the new bloods, uh that we here uh and we ain't going nowhere. I think every year that they like hear these guys come again. <laughs> like I think they're kind of shocked and uh you know it's amazing to me like I, I'll tell you this uh I, I pride myself on not getting emotional and reading the data so some people may watch this interview and they will say ah he's an assistant coach at Florida State and he's emotional but I guess six years ago we were six or seven years ago we were the number three seed, and we got beat in Orlando by Xavier, right? Keith, was that six, seven years ago? Yes, it was. Uh, it was. Yeah. Okay. So we lost. In that team, we lost Jonathan Isaac, who's the sixth pick in the draft, Dwayne Bacon, who was the 40th pick in the draft, Xavier Ray Mays, who got two or three ten days in the NBA, play high-level Europe, We lost Michael Ojo, I almost cry every time I say his name, high-level Europe, and we lost Jacquez Smith, who played uh, low-level Europe G-League. That's five pros we lost, and everybody said, well, that's it, they're done. We went to the Elite Eight the next year? So we go to the Elite Eight, and we lose one guy off that team, Brian Angola. They said, oh, That's a fluke. Ain't no way Florida State's going to be back. We went to the Sweet 16 the next year. So we go to the Sweet 16. We lose Mafandu Kamengeli, 27th pick in the draft. Terrence Mann, 48th pick in the draft, which is ridiculous. Uh, We lose um, uh, Phil Kofa, high-level Europe, Belgium, Memphis G League. We lose... David Nichols. Nichols, yeah, right. Uh, mid-level Europe was an all-star mid-level, mid-level Europe this year, an all-star, and is going to get a big deal. Uh, he's having a great uh, uh, career in Europe, David Nichols, and we lost PJ Savoy. Um, basically, five high-level players, pros. They said, "Oh, they're done." We won the ACC regular season title the next year. So then we lose on that team. We lose Patrick Williams, fourth pick in the draft. Devin Vassell, 11th pick in the draft. Trent Forrest, two-way free agent contract with the Jazz and played major minutes. And we lose Dominic Olenice, high-level Europe in Poland. They say, "Oh, it's over. They're really done this time." We go to the Sweet 16 the next year. <laughs> so you, so judge people on consistent behavior, not what they say, but what they do. Now, after hearing this data, what do you think Jalen and Hamilton and the New Bloods gonna do next year? <laughs> well, I'm gonna set you up. I'm gonna
0: tell you. I'm gonna tell you it's over. I
4: mean,
0: you lost too much. That's what
4: they say (laughs) every year. So I say all that to say, that's impressive. Not many coaches and programs in the country can lose the amount of talent that we've lost every year and be right back in the top 10. So when we say we the new bloods, we mean it. And nobody else is doing it. The way we're doing it, Kentucky lost players. <laughs> Have you seen them? Yep. <laughs> you know, no, I, I Duke, hear you. Duke, Duke lost players, North Carolina lost players. Have you seen them?
1: <laughs> so hey, C- I,
4: I respect those guys too now. Those are great basketball programs, but I'm just saying, Jalen Hamilton needs to be respected at a higher level as a great basketball coach and a great CEO and a great program builder because not because it's my opinion and I love him, which I do, but because the
0: data says that, (laughs) right? You agree or disagree? I wholeheartedly agree. You're preaching to to the choir. Thanks again to CY for joining us, Keith. I didn't realize he was such a quote machine, but there was a lot jam-packed in there. I know that may have been a little bit deep for June and not everybody's a diehard basketball fan. But the thing that resonated, and you and I could see his face, he's at the point where he's ticked off that Florida State is not getting its due nationally, from media mainly, I would say, But because I think other institutions and basketball schools are appreciating it, so it's maybe more on the media side. But I think Florida State's earned it. He's got a a right to be irked at this point.
2: His peers, Coach Hamilton's peers, the other head coaches around the country, they know uh, and appreciate what Leonard has built. Uh, But I think you're right. I think the national media uh, are the ones that have been slow to come around. Uh, I know privately in conversations with Stan and CY and Coach Smith and and even Leonard himself, you know, their uh, appreciation for the fan support, their appreciation for the administration's support, their confidence in what they're doing from a program standpoint uh, is is off the charts. And, And they're very, very thankful. Uh, and enjoying where the program is now. And I agree with him. I think a national championship is not out of the question. And and if you get one, why not two?
0: I agree. I agree. Anyway, we appreciate him joining us. Terrence's performance last week was the genesis of why we reached out to him. But you could see there's a lot more there. I'm ready to play basketball right now after after doing that interview. I know we got football first, but I'll be excited about basketball when it gets here, too. Keith, uh, we have overstayed our welcome. Some folks probably thought that in the first segment, but we definitely have at this point. I'm going to stop talking, and I'll uh, chat with you again next week. Sounds good, Tommy. Thank you. Thanks for tuning in. This is Front Row Knowles.